Hello, this is the Order of the Mustard Seed podcast, and I'm your host, Jill Weber. Well, I'm here with Ian Nicholson, who is uh, the European Director for 24-7 Prayer, and also the Chaplain of the Woking Football Club. Thanks for meeting with us today, Ian. Hi, Jill. Hi, everyone. Ian uh, is also a member of the Order of the Mustard Seed and has been. We were trying to figure out how many years. We've decided it's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, it was a, probably about 14 years, I think. And we uh, we had our first evening of sort of taking the vow in Clapham. Clapham, yeah. A group of us gathered there and uh, where the, the Clapham set had been based, I think. So, it's, uh, yeah, no, it was a very meaningful, very meaningful time. What drew you to the Order? What, what incited you to join a mixture of things and I, I think probably at that time I, I didn't realise the full significance in some ways but I think being in 24-7 was obviously the connection with Zinzendorf I think the whole uh, idea of a sort of um, I don't know what you call it a fresh commitment and that that commitment that you renew uh, renew annually and uh, obviously the vows you know the three devoted to Christ kind to all people and gospel to the nations was something that was very important to me so I and it was also doing it with friends you know the fact that we're a group of friends and I think I think that's where it's become more meaningful almost that every year uh, I miss this year actually I think but uh, you know every year we all gather for some food and a drink and talk about our year and what we're looking you know what we're looking forward to the following year so it's it's that as you go on for quite a few years I think it becomes the reason it becomes more meaningful is you've journeyed together so you're you're seeing where the Lord is leading different members who joined at the same time as you. Mm. Your little band of brothers and sisters, you know. Yeah, <laughs> all on a journey. So your journey has taken you to be a chaplain for football. So tell us all about the Order of the Mustard Seed and how it pertains to the world of football. Oh, <laughs> oh blimey. You, you, and you ask me questions, Jill, and it, it, when I, uh, if, I, if I run out. Um, I think... You know, anything like that. I, I, I'd been leading a church and doing lots of other ministry stuff here in Guildford and also 24-7 was probably the major part of my life in terms of ministry. Um, and then I, I gave over the church. We looked to start the boiler room, the 24-7 boiler room here in Guildford. And then I, I was actually having, I think I was having a drink with uh, Pete initially, Pete Gregg, and we were just chatting about life. And I said I was frustrated that, you know, my... All my close friendships were really with Christians. Yeah. I, obviously, I obviously had wider friendships, but they weren't close. And he said, is there anything you, you thought about doing to sort of change that? And I said, oh, I don't know really. I said, I have thought about being chaplain at Woking Football Club, which is the football club I support. And I was going to every game with my kids. And he said, oh, that sounds quite good. And then a few weeks later, Jackie, my wife, and I were chatting on a Saturday morning. And she said out of the blue, as she often does, these sort of prophetic, practical things said, have you thought of being chaplain at Woking Football Club? <laughs> and I said, have I told you that I'm thinking about it? She said, no, I just think you'd be really good at it. So about a week later, I wrote a letter to the club to explain what a chaplain was and that I was available. Is, is that a thing? So is, did, do other football clubs have, have chaplains? Yeah, it's um, there's now, I mean, at the time, there were probably two or three hundred there's now about 500 sports chaplains in the UK. Wow. And 
70 percent of 70 percent plus of the football league clubs which are the top clubs Woking's just below that level would have at least one chaplain quite often they'd have two working with the academy the young players and so on so um so you wrote a letter so i wrote a letter uh posted it in those days well email was around it wasn't that but anyway I got a phone call within 24 hours back from the chairman of the club saying this is amazing we're just getting the team together ready for this new year and I had literally just said to someone we've got everything in place apart from we could do with a really good chaplain and I've opened your letter that's amazing so he then said let's meet tomorrow if you're a half decent bloke you've got the job (laughs) so that's so I guess you're a half decent bloke. Yeah, that's really, <laughs> that's reassuring. I've done about the other half, but that half is that half is good. So tell us what do sports chaplains do? You basically, in, in many ways, you shape it around around your personality, your gifting. Uh, it's not quite the same as in North America, particularly in the states. Chaplains have a much more formal role because it tends to be a more overtly religious culture, whereas in Europe, you you, you sort of have to be a bit more nuanced and subtle someone's described chaplaincy as just loitering with intent and waiting for something to happen it's a bit more than that but you do you do go in and it's about supporting people it's about being relational the first six months I just made lots of teas and coffees had half days where I just felt this is a waste you know I'm a waste of space you know the sort of thing you get when you go into a new job really where do I fit and you've got lots of established relationships and a lot of them thinking, well, what on earth is a chaplain? You know, they call one of the blokes still calls me the vicar, you know, so um so you and you just looked for ways of, of getting involved. But I did have two people within the first few weeks ask me if I performed funerals. One one was imminently imminently happening and the other was just an inquiry because of elderly relatives. And you suddenly realise that you're touching on very deep issues in people's lives and they often, because there's very little church contact, they don't have an outlet for that. And also, often, people are... They used to go... You know, a lot of younger people have no knowledge of church, but a lot of older people used to go to church or they used to be connected to church and they feel possibly vaguely guilty... About not being... About not. So they don't feel they can go to church when they have needs... So when a chaplain is present, sort of it brings it brings them into their world, and and then they can begin to talk about some of those issues. I mean, I, I remember even before I became a chaplain, I helped a family at the club whose twelve-year-old daughter had struggled with leukemia, who gladly recovered, has happily recovered. But they said one said, "Well, I'm a, I used to be a Catholic, and the other one we used to be a Methodist, and we we felt we'd be hypocrites if we went back to church when our daughter got ill." Mm-hmm. So it's that sort of there's a there must be you know high proportion of society that are in that in that camp. So so a lot of it is is picking you know picking those things up, looking for the opportunities, being creative in ways to make friends and you know get involved. So so talk to me about um, you know you've talked about those three vows being devoted to Christ, kind to people, gospel to the nations. Do you have any stories that you can tell us about how you've kind of lived into those vows or ways that God's invited you to embody those principles in the context of the club? I think the being devoted to Christ is the thing that a role like this does. It really hits on your sense of identity. Because in a church, 
especially if you're a leader, you're a big fish. You know, you, people know you in the church. You know what to expect. Get involved in something like a football club. You, you're starting from scratch, really. They don't know you. So there is that whole thing of really resting. I found, particularly early on, resting in my identity in Christ. The fact that I would feel could feel out of things. The fact that there might be, as in everywhere, cliques or whatever that you're not part of or relationships where people have known each other for years. So I did find that whole thing of, of, of learning to rest deeply in who I was. In the absence of any external validation. In the absence, yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't always get external affirmation. You would at times, which is great. Yeah. You know, people saying you're doing a great job or it's good having you here. But a lot of the time you wouldn't get that. So you had to sort of draw that from within almost. I think I think I think that, and then and then prayer wise, I, I I was learning to you know before I went and got the role, I spent a morning uh, just praying and prayer walking, and you know learning to see the football club as your parish, if you like, as your as your gospel world or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, more latterly, I've been a director of the club. I mean, I've just found God's open doors really, but for the last three or four years, a director of the club. Which does mean I actually have a key for the ground. Okay. So um, I will often go over on a Sunday evening, unlock the ground. We have a big stand at one end, takes about 2,000 people. And I'll go right to the top of that stand, put headphones on, a bit of Jesus culture, really loud worship music, (laughs) and just march up and down and intercede for the club. But also beyond, you can see Woking. So I'll intercede for the club and Woking. Other times, if any Woking fans are hearing this, this, this will make me sound bonkers, but other times I just walk, walk around the pitch seven times and just pr- praying and interceding as I go. You know, so it's just, just I find for me prayer comes alive when I'm in the place I feel called to. Yeah. So the past has been in areas of Guildford. I come alive actually when I'm praying outdoors. So, um, so yeah, so prayer and also the sense of identity, I suppose, are two ways that the whole devoted to Christ things come through. Yeah, and kind to people because you have lots of opportunities, <laughs> invitations to be kind. Yeah, I think I, most of the time I think I've done okay in that. And it, 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 it's, I think when you've been a church leader, you're, you're used to relationship complexities and people fall out. Football clubs are incredibly intense and pressurized environments. So it really heightens people's reactions, you know, especially if the club is doing well. Or even worse, when they're doing badly, that you know that does that. So you do get a lot of opportunities to be to be kind. I often say to people at the club that twenty years leading a church prepares you for this sort of environment because you're dealing with volunteers most of the time at our level, and they are people who give them their time freely. Sometimes for thirty or forty years, you're dealing with people for whom the football club is probably the most important thing. Mm. in their lives outside of their family and so they feel it very deeply just as church people feel their church very deeply so change is hard and all those sorts of things so you can get you can get reactions and then there's the added thing as a director we got relegated last year and I don't tell us what that means relegated means you go down from one level to another okay and uh and it's a horrible experience to go through because you're as a director as well, you're aware of things like finances, you're aware of what's going on behind the scenes, you're actually aware that the players are doing their darndest to perform well, but on the pitch they're not succeeding. And, you know, fans can be very 
vociferous. Fickle. <laughs> fickle, fickle and vociferous. And the added thing, actually, is, is, is online. You get a lot of online forums where some people put their names, but a lot of people don't even put who they are and can say the most hateful things or the most horrible things. Uh, and, and so you, you learn to sort of absorb that, to let it go. And, I, and also, hopefully, I've been, you know, with colleagues, you know, you learn to be a strength to them as well. So, look, it doesn't really matter, you know, you know just think of the positives, you know. I, I've actually found, and, in, and in, in that, I found that, you know, the whole thing in Philippians about thinking on what is good and trust and praiseworthy and all those sorts of things... That's that's become a reality. There are times where you have to switch off from the negative and just say, "No, I'm going to focus on the positives." The other the other area is really that I, this last two years, we you know we've been through a lot of uncertainty with redevelopment and everything, which now seems to be proceeding. But for about a year, it was a knife edge of you know financially a knife edge, decisions knife edge. Are we going to be relegated or not? Knife edge, and I, I was finding I was really getting incredibly anxious mm. and at times not sleeping you know my wife would tell you know up in the middle of the night or whatever and I remember one night we were on holiday and I was lying in bed and I was just so fearful and anxious and then the whole the whole again the exhortation from Philippians to uh, you know present all your you know be anxious for nothing but present all your prayers to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And so I started doing that. So every time an anxiety came in, I would turn that into a prayer. And I just found the peace of God invaded me, you know, and I fell asleep mm-hmm. and woke up probably for the first time for ages, just feeling really positive and at peace. And it's still waves of it, but I think it's learning to be resilient in those times of real stress, so... So yeah, kind to people has been, and I think just being consistent all the time, being the same, whether it's whether it's a VIP or a celebrity coming in, or whether it's the person who's just sold programs, cleaning the loose, yeah, yeah, cleaning <laughs> the loose, sold programs, you know, because and everyone needs to know that they're exactly the same and they're valuable. Mm. And then gospel to the nations. <laughs> I think. Um, I think for me, you know, there have been lots of opportunities. I mean, I can't talk about them, a lot of them publicly, but you do get opportunities to pray with people. I mean, probably one of the most moving early on was a guy who, he was the guy who asked me if I did funerals, who, um, it was about his mother. Um, and um, I did her, his mother's funeral, but then two or three years later, I did his own funeral because mm. he died of cancer. And I think... I think walking through a family with that and being able to read scripture and pray with them and I think one of the biggest honours actually it's a, it's a it's a holy moment really is walking with people in their last days yeah and walking with families in their last days you just think you know you're given being given an opportunity to engage with someone at the if you like the interaction with eternity Mm-hmm. and what that means and everything else drops away so uh, so you know opportunity to really share that I think I think on a larger scale we've done now three or four big big events yeah, tell us what's happening tomorrow night uh, yeah Monday night Monday, Monday night. night yeah we... so this will be out by then so everybody Monday night <laughs> yeah Monday night the 17th it went well everybody <laughs> <laughs> um, no I think um, 
Yeah, we're doing a carol service. So so we've done three or four of those. We've done two large-scale ones in the pitch. This one's in the town centre. And it's now become... It's only the second year of doing it in the town centre. I've been told it's the largest and the, I think it's probably the only open-air carol service in Woking now. So we get the mayor and MP and civic leaders and business leaders there. The footballers are the heart of it. Uh, the churches sponsor it. Uh, and within that, you know, you have the Salvation Army Band, we'll be singing the carols, but we'll also, in terms of gospel, we've got my other chaplain, who used to be a footballer, does a four or five minute sort of uh, talk, gospel talk. Uh, we're interviewing a vicar or a curate who's also a football referee. So what he's going to do is he's going to stand there in his referee thing and we're going to interview him about what it means to referee. And then we're saying, but there's something else unusual and he's going to take his scarf off and underneath will be his dog collar. <laughs> and then, and he's also, uh, he's African, I think he's from Nigeria. So anyway, we'll interview him about how faith became real to him and, and so on. So, so, and then we've got a football freestyler who's also a Christian. So there's, there's lots of, it'll be fun, it'll be football, uh, lots of different activities, carols as ever, mulled wine and mince pies and hot dogs, but then a few sort of thought-provoking real gospel things. And, um, and it's out in the open air and it's at the heart of the town, which I think always for me has an added, you're, you're proclaiming into the town rather than just speaking to a, a church, if you like. And I think that's very prophetic. That's fantastic. So Monday night. Monday night. We'll be there. Yeah. So, um, so my burning question is, which football team in the UK does God love the most? <laughs> <laughs> which game does he watch? The, uh, the, I tell you what, the, the most common thing is when you're in a football game, they come along and they say, pray for us today, Vicar. There's a few of us, they always call me the Vicar. Pray for us today, Vicar. And uh, and all you, if we do well, it was you're obviously praying and, and hard, and um, <laughs> and it is a dilemma because I you don't really want to pray that your team wins, and then you're aware you're playing another team that also has a chaplain, and you think it's like, it's <laughs> like the most powerful prayer warrior. It's like you prayer can, wars. You could stand on like opposite ends of the pitch with your arms outstretched. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, I obviously not. Although I would say I think. A, very high proportion of football clubs in England were started in churches. Oh. Very high proportion. There's books on it actually where, and I could go off on another one there, but how church youth groups began to gather, or church groups began to gather, working men together, give them a sense of purpose and identity, and sport was a key part of that. So Southampton play at Grand called St Mary's because it was built around St Mary's Church. Basil Wilberforce, the grandson of William Wilberforce, was the vicar who started it all off, and oh, you could okay. you could you could track that round all a lot of clubs, and in a lot of cities, one was a Catholic team, one was a Protestant team, which is why they the rivalries can be a little bit more intense. But no, it's uh, yeah, faith and football very much go ahead, go together. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, thank you, Ian. That's just um, it's really interesting just to think about. Um, you know, living into your vows in, in this context and sport and in the public life of your city, right? I yeah, mean, you're, yeah. you're, you have a public role there in the city. Any last words that you want to say to our listeners or anything that you want to pray for them? No, I'll pray in a moment. I, th- I, I think it is, it is very much about, um, very much my journey of the last few years has been, and I've known in my head for a lot longer than that, but seeing God in all of creation, seeing God in all of society, um, 
that if you're where God wants you to be, that is as spiritual as being anywhere. You know, you, you could not be more spiritual than being where God wants you to be, doing the things God wants you to do. And uh, even in the normality of life. So I think as we live out the vow, you know, it's people learning to really bring the presence of Christ into all of society, not just what we call the spiritual bits, if you like. Yeah. Wonderful. So, shall I pray? Yeah, we should pray. Father, we thank you at this Advent season that we we recall you breaking into our lives and our world with no strings attached. Thank you that you walked where we walk. In fact, you walked in the worst of the places you could you could find, and you brought your presence there. And Lord, we we count it a privilege for that to be the call on our lives as well. That just in the way uh, Jesus was sent, so He sends us, and so. Lord, I pray for all of us who are part of the order that we would know you're leading in the coming year into the dark places, into the places that you're calling us to. And thank you that as we do that, those areas are filled with light, that your presence comes, that your kingdom is established. So, Father, lead lead the feet of each one of us, we pray. Guide us as we move forward so that we can be your eyes, your ears, your hands and your feet in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Order of the Mustard Seed podcast. For more information about the Order, you can find us at orderofthemustardseed.com or on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. May God grant us grace as we follow his invitations to be true and to be kind and to go. Go.